leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays at our new time, 1 p.m. Eastern. 10 a.m. Pacific. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome people hire great talent. Before I get started, I know James Azar, the guru of podcasts, is going to make me say, make sure you subscribe to us on like and subscribe on YouTube and follow me on LinkedIn. Follow all of us on LinkedIn. Um, And Renee froze because she hasn't hardwired her computer yet, and she's still using Wi-Fi. <laughs> it just came. The wire literally just came in. I said to my husband, you better have a hard wire by today. It just showed up, but I don't think, I think it's short. I think it's too short. He's like, it's too short, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? I know. Too short is probably a bad word. We can go down a whole swarm of office <laughs> rhetoric right now, and none of it would be mean or rude. <laughs> it would not be good. All right. Let's go around the let's go around the horn. Dan Schaefer. Uh Dan Schaefer, uh business and sports psychologist, uh helping my clients get a competitive edge very quickly and uh, learn how to sell mistakes. Excellent. James Azar. Good morning, Thursday. James Azar, CISO and host of the CyberHub CISO Talk podcast. Naomi Awesomeness Buckwalter. Oh, wow, what an intro. Uh, biggest fan of you, Renee. Hi, guys. Naomi Buckwalter, Director of Information Security and IT at Beam Technologies. Good to be here. Awesome. My other brother from another mother, Chris Folon. <laughs> Not too short. Um, hey, everyone. Chris Folon, uh, cybersecurity consultant and podcast co-host. Oh, and adjunct professor and many other things. I don't live up to James, though. James is the, the, the man, the myth, the legend. He's the man. He's the man. James is the man. He looks okay. like he's 10 years younger, by the way. With the he does. Yeah, right? he does. Like, I'm a baby again. You, you can, I'll give a shout out to Jack and Son's Barbershop in, in Georgia. If you're in Georgia, go check out Jack and Son's. Ask for Narek. No sales. Picks you up. No sales, no bullshit. <laughs> just straight references. <laughs> <laughs> That's a referral. I'm it's sorry. A referral. That's you're a right. referral. Right. That's a referral. 
I'm a happy customer. Look at this tight fade, too, good. by the way. Look at that. Look at that. Tight fade. Is it a brother that hooked you up? <laughs> a tight fade. You, you, you could say Narek's a brother. He's kind of like from a Russian background. So, I mean, <laughs> he is kind of a brother from, you know, mother, not really the from Russia, lands, but yeah. from the former USSR. <laughs> all right. All right. Nice fade. Looking good. Looking young. Looking good, James. That that lack yeah. of sleep is a... Uh, the, the new cut is taking that away, taking away the circles. It has. <laughs> ben is here. Hey, Ben. He says, afternoon, everyone. So we are going to get started with the hot topic, a, a nice little trigger topic for the week. Uh, our dear, lovely friend, Naomi Buckwalter, put up a post. And it was such a trigger post. Um, she put a post out there and, uh, the question was, or the comment was that cybersecurity is not hard. It's not difficult. You know, we have people that we, you know, it was difficult years ago when people started out, um, and we have shoulders to stand on and all that good stuff. And the comments went nuts. People are like, what are you talking about? Cybersecurity is hard. Blah, 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 blah. So, Naomi, kick us off with this content, <laughs> with this uh, uh, trigger post that you put out there that has people up in arms. Yeah, up in arms. Cybersecurity. I mean, I, I get what they're saying. You know, like, how dare you? My job is very difficult. I'm stressed. I'm overworked. And I, I heard back from somebody who was like, you know, I managed 10,000 machines over multiple uh, you know, domain controllers and all these things. And I was like, okay, that's, that's great. But you know, like the idea is our jobs are difficult. Yes. Is cybersecurity, is learning cybersecurity difficult? No. Is picking up the technology difficult? No. Like it, a lot of this is easy to pick up. And that's what I was trying to say. I don't think the barrier to entry needs to be as high as it is. Like um, somebody explained it to me once. He's like, oh yeah, cybersecurity is as difficult as being a medical doctor, you know, it's as, as difficult as being a surgeon. <laughs> and I almost had to laugh internally because it's like, why do you think cybersecurity is as difficult as being a surgeon? Like, it's not, it's not that difficult. And I really I was just so flabbergasted that he made that connection that I just didn't have the right words at the moment. I still kind of don't. Um, but he said, you know, like we are so important. We're just as important as surgeons, as nuclear physicists and all these other really important things that like require life or death decisions. And like, yeah, like a small percentage of us, yes, you know, uh, hospital security teams, like those people are, yeah, they do have life or death decisions to make sometimes, but a majority of us do not. And so we protect data, we protect systems, and I don't think it is that difficult. What do you guys think? I think it's ridiculous that someone would make a comment and say that it is equivalent to a surgeon, where you're literally cutting into somebody's I mean, yeah. I, IT has become a, a critical part of the infrastructure. So I'll be on that side of things. Yes, it is important. No, it's not hard. Um, and I posted a similar trigger post saying really everything breaks down to people, process, and technology. And you can break all complex things down into that. And then people started responding back like, well, if you don't understand the technology, well, then you have a gap there. Like, if you don't understand how people work, then you have a gap there, but it could be all broken down into that. And it's really not that hard. Um, 
So I'm I'm with the importance part because we have our economy that's based on technology. We have critical infrastructure that's based on technology. Um, is it life or death all the time? No, um, and it's not that hard. Thank you. I didn't think it was either. There, There is difficult parts of cybersecurity, I will say, but that is mostly balancing the needs of what people need to do. Like you can never have 100% security. That's not the point. You want to lessen the impact of any security risk. Like that is our job. We are trying to protect systems and data and personal information, all that good stuff um, and functionality. But we are not here to stop all bad things from happening. Like that is just impossible. Well, You're going to have zero functionality. We can't stop all bad things from happening. Um, a CISO who we had on one of the CISO Thursday episodes back in December, Brent um, Hotfless, he says something that I think is really, really smart. He goes, we should stop saying we um, like work in cyber and start to say we practice cybersecurity, like how doctors practice medicine. Because, you know, there's very few doctors that don't have a patient who died on them, right? At one point or another, they don't get fired for it. They don't lose their career over it. Um and, you know, the company doesn't lose its stock, right? Like no one looks at a company that goes, they lost the patient, you know, let's fire everyone and rebuild, right? So we should practice cyber. And I think you're right, Naomi, in that cybersecurity isn't hard. I think people want to give something, some meaning to their job and they go, my job's important, right? And it is hard. And yeah, there there are challenges. There's definitely challenges in cybersecurity, but you know, let's just not kid ourselves, right? Like, okay, we're not a liberal arts degree, <laughs> okay, but oh, we're definitely not doctors. Liberal arts time, baby! It always makes its way. <laughs> Thirteen minutes in, and you mentioned it. He's working, he's working on a he's working on a record here. Because he brought the liberal arts degree up in the first place. I'm challenging James to get a liberal arts degree. If someone else is paying for it, I will gladly take their money and not do it and rather invest it in the stock market and make money um, than put it in a liberal arts degree and pay a college something for something. Oh, my goodness. Okay, comments. <laughs> ben, says, <laughs> ben, says, ben says here, not the bacon post. I guess most folks agree with that bacon post. Who put up a bacon post? I just put up bacon. It's ironic because <laughs> I was a vegetarian for seven years. I don't know if anyone knows that, but like, <laughs> I just love meat. Bacon, bacon. So Patrick says, good day. He's already, before we even started, he started laughing at us. That's how much of a mess we are. Abrima says, hello, everyone. I missed the show, but good to see beautiful faces. Well, we are here. Nice to meet you, Naomi. Big fan of your post. That's Arturo. Freddie is saying, good day. Um, and Dan Kemp says several aspects of cybersecurity are not traditional IT work, which we know. Um, I just want to add in that I, I appreciated Naomi's comment and um, and uh, post because I think a lot of people did not take away the real message, which was we can train people to get into this industry. Like, let's not kid ourselves and act like the entire cybersecurity industry is baked up of, quote unquote, you know, surgeons. So in the medical industry, yes, you do have people. We were, I was just talking about this a couple of weeks ago 
um, about pathways into security. And, um, you know, thinking about what some of the people have said over the times that we've been doing this podcast, it's like breaking into security. How many different ways can you break in? And, um, you know, a lot of times we equate it to the medical industry. Like we say, the cybersecurity industry, we're like this huge history, right? So cybersecurity is huge. It's not just one job. It's not just one role. It's an industry. And um, I think I think it was Ken Underhill. We talked about this, um, how uh, there's different pathways. Like if you think about medicine, he was he used to be a nurse and getting in through nursing or getting in through uh, being a physician or getting in through being a brain surgeon, there's not different there's different pathways in. And I think that it gets difficult when um, there, there is, I'm, look, I'm looking at that. Now I'm looking at the, <laughs> I'm looking at our internal comments, which is always bad. Uh, but getting in through different, pro, through different ways is what we need to really focus on. And Naomi's point was that it's not all difficult. We all are all not brain surgeons. James may be the brain surgeon of the, of the, the brain team surgeon. here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But the rest of us could be the supporting staff. We could be the people working in the operating room. We could be the admins. We could be the all these other folks that come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Don't forget about the in-house psychologists up there. Oh, Dr. yeah. Dan. The in-house, like, he's, he's going to jump in next. Your in-house psychologist, your administrative people, the people checking you in, the people, the phlebotomists taking the blood, the people, all of these people make up the team of cybersecurity professionals. And I think people were missing the point in that Naomi said every single role does not have to be a brain surgeon role in cybersecurity. So, so let's, let's point this out. One, one thing here. Um, when we talk about what skills we look for in cybersecurity, how many of us, and, and, and a show of hands or I or nays, how many of us look for soft skills first and technical skills second? So the people who got triggered by Naomi's post haven't been watching CISO Thursdays. And shame on you. Shame. You should put a link on your post that says, before you get all outraged and freak out and go into a safe zone, here's a link to CISO Thursdays, understand that we need soft skills before we need technical skills because soft skills matter. Most technical skills can be taught. No one's born a hacker, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've never seen a two-year-old born and goes into the keyboard, you know, launches a bunch of tools and starts hacking networks. But we, we do see people who are born with very good soft skills. And those are the people who we look for. And so when you say cybersecurity isn't hard, you're right, because we seem to have this box in our head, right, that you got to be technical and you have to be all these things. But we need people like Patrick. Patrick's got excellent soft skills. So people like Patrick bring more to our team than someone who's, you know, just technically proficient. Well, let me just jump in here. I think I think this is this is a great topic because. You know, when you come back to the surgeon part of it, if you're being operated on, I'm thinking about the, the patient that they, that they were talking about, the, op, the surgeon's operating on. He wants to select and recruit, like we talked about Renee. You recruit the person who's got the best track record in the surgery you're looking at performed. I've been in that situation with my family. I wanted to find out the guy who knew every mistake that could possibly be made before he operated on my kid. 
But at the end of the day, it's looking at the importance of the soft skills, which are often really put second and not even thought about until stuff doesn't go well. And that's when we need to. And then so it's how soon can you identify that something isn't going well? It's starting early to look at your situation and your circumstances and the dynamics that you're operating in. And what do you need to have happen? But I, I agree with you that the soft skills, I, I've worked with guys, tech guys with Hewlett Packard for years. And, you know, what they were looking at was the soft skills because they were the people who were managing, coaching, mentoring other people. That became important. But if it's missing, it's very hard to put a cost on, on what it's costing you to have those dynamics missing. I'll agree with you, Dan. And if you think about it this way, everyone, if emotional intelligence is merely understanding human behavior and understanding why humans do certain things, you know, use your emotional intelligence to understand your threat vectors, to understand your attackers. Like, who is creating malware? Who is creating APTs? And, you know, like, who is creating all these things that we're trying to protect against? Is it a machine? No. Is it AI? Well, not yet. <laughs> but right now, it's our, it's people. They're humans. And if you understand where they're coming from and what they're looking for and what they're trying to do, then you will understand how to protect against it. So you need emotional intelligence no matter where you are. If you're on the blue team, yeah. If you're on the red team, great. You know, you, you understand. What, like, think about the social engineering people. Like, they are great at emotional intelligence. They know how to hack people. They, set, they send one email and they're like, boom, they're in your networks. Like, understand that. There's a human element here. What always fascinated me about security was the social engineering component how quickly someone can just, without being super technical, can get someone, the right person on the phone and just social engineer their way into a company, a system, walk through the front door, you know, all of that kind of stuff, which at the end of the day, we can have as many systems as we want up and then they do it and it just literally crashes the whole thing. So a couple comments here. Nobody is born a hacker. Leroy Johnson agreed with James wholeheartedly. Nora says, hello, everyone. Well said. Renee, ready to join different pathways to break into security. Count me in. We will count you in, Nora. Uh, Patrick, I wish I could find a way to Bluetooth music through my RoboRock vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it less annoying if this like cybersecurity. Patrick, oh, I feel like you need to be a guest on the show. It's hacking, but it's not cybersecurity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Achura says, my issue is I feel like I'm trying to catch up to where everyone is in cyber and I feel rushed to learn everything at the same time. Who wants to address that? That's a really good comment. I do. Um, you can't learn everything and you can't learn it all at the same time to begin with. Uh, second of all, there's going to be skills and competencies that you are better at, that you're more passionate about, that I would recommend that you focus on. So find your niche, find what you like. And once, you, once you're happy and passionate about doing it, you're likely to be more successful in that niche than trying to learn everything all at the same time and feel like you're floundering all the time. My two cents. Agreed. Good points. Very good points. And someone here. It sounds to me like this, this whole system is changing as somebody's trying to catch up. 
So it's not trying to catch a moving train. The train is running. And, you know, somebody who says, I'm going to wait a while. Well, they're not, they're not waiting. They're standing still. They're going backwards. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, Freddie says, yes, indeed, Naomi, well said. Thanks. So I think that's the end of our that topic. What are we hopping into next? Well, let's talk about Florida for people. I think the Florida water treatment facility thing has a lot of people shook and a lot of pundits on LinkedIn. I can't tell you how many times I've shaken my head like this. My neck literally hurts from all the posts from the moment that story broke until right now. You want to give us a recap real quick, James? So for those who don't know, there's a city of Olds, Florida. It's actually where the founder of Oldsmobile is from. That's why it's called Olds. His name was Olds Ransom, by the way. Like it was Ransom Olds or Olds Ransom. Mm. It was like, I I forgot which order his name was. It would have been funnier if they did a ransomware attack on like the water facility. It would have been like, you know, Olds, like Oldsmobile. They're not around anymore. Olds, Florida would have been a better pun. They just didn't do their Wikipedia search well enough. Um, So um, a group of cyber criminals, uh, most likely a nation state, were able to find an open RDP port that was essentially um, open on a team viewer for remote login for the employees they were able to access the main system. They accessed it twice on Friday night. The first time they did nothing. The second time they took over the computer through team viewer and increased the amount of sodium hydroxide that was going into the water by a hundred times, which would have been a massive public health issue. And luckily the employee who was on um, work that time um, caught it. And was able to stop it before it went further downstream and caused severe harm in for the people of Olds, Florida. And, and to provide a little more context, Olds, Florida is a stone throw away from um, Tampa. Tampa, Florida, which just so happened to be having the Super Bowl um, that same weekend. Whether that is just happened fact or whether that was planned um that's still yet to be determined but it's still very close in proximity to a major event um that could have had uh, potentially deadly side effects um and to add to that story that's the 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 symptoms that led up to that a lot of ics facilities being online a lot of um States and towns don't have a lot of support for their infrastructure, especially their ICS infrastructure. And it turns out that the one person that was there, they just happened to be around the computer at the time that was happening. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to caught it. Um, And kind of like James mentioned, they came in earlier in the morning and then made the change in the afternoon. And when they made the change in the afternoon was when the person was around the computer and saw them making the change and stopped it from happening. Um, So, yeah. One more thing to point. The fact that they made the change is very worrisome. Now, they do have have sensors before the water leaves the water treatment facility. They said it takes 24 hours or something, right? 
right they have water sensors that essentially like identify anything off in the water quality the question i had last night on one of the other shows i was doing and kind of overall the questions of issue to um the people over at olds florida was were they able to get access to the sensors and disable them because they said the sheriff said in the news conference don't worry it was never a real threat because we had sensors we had technological backups to identify if the water um if if that amount of sodium hydroxide would have gone into the water well what if they got a hold of the sensors because they were on the main computer so they could have turned off those sensors yep but didn't they have some didn't they have something additional that regardless of what changes it takes 24 hours or it takes a number of hours for something to actually get into the water supply is yeah, that the, at the sensor or is that something else it would have taken 24 to 36 hours for the water to make it into general population meaning when they changed it once they changed it and the sodium hydroxide goes into the water by the time that water is impacted that essentially gets pulled into the population depending on water usage it's anywhere from 24 to 36 hours chris brought up a great point this is a stone's throw away from tampa florida there were a bunch of people there at airbnbs their water usage was um higher than usual meaning it would have probably been on the shorter end of that timeline than the longer end of that timeline mm. Uh, Quabini has a question. I wonder why the application or system would allow such a change. One would have thought that input validation would catch this. Well, you, you have to design a system to have that. And it, it could be that the way that these systems were designed, they didn't have that fail safe enabled. Um, we, we don't know. We're, we're speculating here. But I think the larger prognosis of the problem, like, like James mentioned, is A, they had all these um, open access to the internet. B, they have limited support staff that were that was checking on this, and it was just a an accident that it was caught. And um, yeah, so it's it's unfortunately a, a systematic problem that we have in the United States, where these um, towns and counties don't really have the support they need to support their critical infrastructure. Which is kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, water treatment facilities are run by the counties. They're not even run by the state. They're each and every single one is individually run by the county. So your county, essentially where you live, runs your water system. Wow. Okay, so Nora says to add to all that's being said, Naomi, opening up to different pathways is a way of letting people feel part and belonging. This is a diversity and equity and inclusion. This can lead to retention because team members will feel as if they belong. Inclusion can be a big asset to any company. Thank you all for your opening your arms to include all people. Yeah, well said, Nora. I think um, especially as a female in the cybersecurity, we're already a minority, right, Nora and I. So it's representation matters. So the more voices we can put out there that have people who look like us, sound like us, you know, it'd be great to uh, inspire the next generation of female cybersecurity professionals. So um, be loud out there, Nora. I'm there with you. Very cool. Mr. P wants to know, hi, Renee, how hard is it to break into security 
um, after having a criminal record and what would be a good strategy to follow into learning and pra getting practical experience. So um, with criminal records, from my experience, and again, I want everyone to chime in here because I've only had experience at a, a you know, in, in mostly very large companies. Um, it depends on the record. So, for example, when I used to work in New York um, and we had, uh, and, and it's probably the same around the country, you know, most law firms will take people with criminal <laughs> criminal records because uh, that is their population, you know, that's what they're supporting. Um, and when I used to work a lot in financial services, heavily in investment banking, it was very, very specific around the types of record that you had. Um, so I would say it's case by case when it comes to, um, I know a lot of government entity entities, it tends to be, you know, it tightens up a little bit more because you have security clearances and things like that, that you have to get through. So I'm, 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 I'm throwing this out there and I'm thinking probably smaller uh, vendors or smaller enterprises are probably your easiest way uh, to get in where there's not this big extensive background check. Anyone else want to chime in on this one? I would say um, also kind of to hinge on what you said, it really depends on what the criminal record is for and um, the type of industry that you're in. For example, even though most people think you can't get a security clearance with a criminal record, that's not exactly true. It really depends on what the crime was for and how honest you are in the background process as to um, why it happened and if they trust that you won't do it again. Um, it real that's what it boils down to versus you having a criminal record because you smoked pot when you're a teenager. Um, like if you're open and honest about it, it then becomes something just a matter of fact. Um, again, that depends on what industry you're in, but I would say a lot of hackers um, that are out there have broken stuff, have broken terms and conditions. Um, pen testers have broken into properties with permission um, in some states, not necessarily the permission they needed. And now they have a criminal record, but um, that's taken into consideration with the role that you're applying for. Um, so <coughs> it, it, just be open and honest with your, your future employer as to um, why you had that criminal record and the progress that you've made getting past that. Timothy adds in, just a comment on the criminal record. I work in nuclear, a high regulated industry, and even that is becoming more lenient on these cases. Most important part is being upfront and honest to get the clearance. Look, a criminal record doesn't make you a criminal. A criminal record means that at one point or another in your life, you made a mistake. You were caught for that mistake. You've paid your debt to society after that was all over with. And now you're a citizen just like anyone else is so um i think different industries look at criminal records differently in security it just depends on the role and it depends on one you being honest and number two what what it was and how long ago it was something from 20 years ago isn't really going to matter something from six months ago like you know i just got out college you know and <laughs> uh, uh you know i i read in 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 college that you know beyond liberal arts, cybersecurity is the next great thing to get into. 
So I want to get into that. Um, that's a, I think that's completely different. Um, and again, it just depends on what you're doing. Or what you have done. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, I think it depends on what, you, what, what you're trying to do in security. Right. Right. There may be, there may have been some creativity involved in the crime you created. It may be very attractive to people in cybersecurity. Listen, I always of, say a lot of people hire some of the greatest people you follow on LinkedIn and cybersecurity were at one point in cuffs in an FBI SUV being driven down for interrogation before they became industry leaders. You know, so it's either lock them up or hire them. That's it. Yeah. I mean, look at Frank Abagnale Jr. Right. I mean, catch what me if you story. can. What a story. Yeah, and he did check fraud. Like, he actually took money, but it was about a million dollars, just so that people know. It's not like what the movie said. I think, like, Spielberg exaggerated. He said it was, like, 10 or $12 million, but he says that it was just under a million bucks. Well, it's 10 or $12 million in today's dollars, but not back then. <laughs> no, I totally think that... Um... I think that we could probably close this talent gap very, very, very quickly if we looked into, um, you know, convicted felons, all kinds of, I mean, there's tons of people trying to break in, obviously, but just that mindset. Again, when, when Chris and I talk about diversity of thought, this is it. You know, if I want to figure out how to break into my house, I want the people who are picking locks. I want the people who are, <laughs> you know, I want the people who are doing this on a day to day to tell me, hey, you know, you have these barriers up, but guess what? I can get in this way and I can do that. So um, I, I would hope that organizations, when as long as you have that skill set and that mindset would be moving forward uh, pretty quickly with bringing people with all different types of backgrounds into the industry. Well, that's the idea of diversity of thought. And that's the concept of really you know, but that's kind of goes back to what we started this show on with Naomi's post, right? That cybersecurity isn't that hard. And that the idea is that cybersecurity isn't hard because if you bring the right team around you that has a diversity of thought and they're empowered to challenge each other respectfully, and I'm gonna say that again, they're allowed and entitled to challenge each other, most important, respectfully then you're going to win a lot of battles in the trenches and you're going to solve a lot of problems that otherwise you wouldn't be able to solve. And so that diversity of thought is, you know, sometimes people with a criminal background or sometimes it's people who don't understand technology but understand strategy. Um, someone I, I met recently was a expert chess player and he was talking about, security and networks in terms of chess and if you've ever played chess you know it's it's very interesting it's 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 a really interesting way to look at security agreed 100 percent agreed okay arturo wants to know what's the best way to break into cyber into the cyber field with only it support experience I'll take this one and then we'll say bye to Chris because he's got to leave. Bye, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Uh, Senor Morales, I will say that you are already in cybersecurity. If you are doing IT support, you have security 
responsibilities. You do security tasks. Uh, you might not have the full-time title or the full-time role doing security, but you have security responsibilities. So you are already in security. Um, uh, one thing that I like to say to people, it's like, it's just a mindset. Security is a mindset. It's not a title. It's not anything like that. But if you are already performing security things, then you are already in this industry and you should view it that way um, and then tailor your resume that way. Really highlight the security tasks that you've done and put those front and center in your CV. Awesome. Naomi, what would you say was the most interesting comment? I mean, that post, mm -hmm. talk about a trigger posting for anyone who has not seen it. Go follow Naomi. <laughs> go back, what, two, three days? Uh, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I posted it on Monday. I remember Monday. seeing it on Monday. Earlier this week, um, and check out the post. And I mean, people were going nuts. What do you think was some of the most interesting comments um, and perspectives mm -hmm. coming out mm -hmm. of that post? Well, a lot of people just seem stressed. And I wonder if Dr. Dan saw this post, but I, I, I felt there was a lot of just mental anguish in the responses, there was a lot of emotion. It was not a very healthy space. Like I was reading a lot of the the, the threads and the comments, and I just felt the burden of their like their stress. And um, you know, at one point, I even said, you know, if you ever want to reach out and just talk about this, you know, James has a cyber couch. <laughs> we need that. But uh, you know, and it just reflects my understanding of what where we are as an industry. We are understaffed, burned out, overworked. And it's because we don't share the burden of cybersecurity responsibility with the people that we work with. Like we only speak the language of cybersecurity. We're like afraid to share it with the world. We're like, we are the superheroes of the story. Everyone else is a villain. We're here to protect everyone. That narrative is completely false. And that is the reason why people are leaving the industry and why we're seeing burnout. Wow. And like you said, James, isn't there like a high percentage of people who self-medicate in this 70, industry over 70 percent that is ridiculous and so unhealthy so if you are one of the 70 percent of people who are self-medicating to survive the stress of your job you are doing it wrong like we are all doing it wrong we are not doing this right we're not winning I so I wanna, i'm looking at your post and i want to read one of the comments if that's okay yeah. um because um i'm not going to say who it's from i don't I don't want to blast anyone, right? But I'll, I'll read it in generalization because I really, because people can go back and look and I don't want to read it word for word. But they talk about us getting pawned every single day um, and how we have to be more focused and it's really hard to succeed in our roles. And I think that goes back to the mindset of we practice cybersecurity. We don't do cybersecurity. There's no such thing as perfection. And guess what? We can be successful 99.9% .9 of the time. They are once successful, once. And we as a community put the victim on blast. Like I've never seen that before where we actually re-victimized. Well, I have seen it before. I won't say I haven't. There are cases where we've re-victimized the victim plenty of times over for, for them being a victim of a crime. But we re-victimize the victims every single time all over again because we go, well, look, if you only used my tool, right? Like AJ had a great post, uh, I think it was this morning or yesterday about salespeople. If you only had my tool, you know, that breach would have never happened to you. And I'm just like, 
how about we stop with that for a moment and understand that we're all going to be victims of that. So let's go into, you know, when I go into, when I interview anyone for a job, I ask them that I ask them a very interesting question in a conversation. Have you ever been a victim of a crime? I had your wallet stolen, money stolen, identity theft. How'd you deal with it? How'd your friends and family deal with it? Because I think that's a really important question to understand. If someone's never been a victim of a crime, then when they come into cyber and all of a sudden they're dealing with all these different alerts and cybersecurity incidents that are not necessarily breaches, but they're incidents that someone was able to get through to somewhere. Because I don't, most people think like cybersecurity, and I'm going on this rant, and Naomi, feel free to stop me at any time. I love it. Preach, James. But most people think like cybersecurity is. Okay, breach. All of our data is exfiltrated. Oh my God! Turn on the fire alarm. Everybody's running around, right? Like the 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 three stooges people running into each other and whatnot. But that's not the case. We deal with cybersecurity incidents, and in these incidents, right, we see different um, challenges where you know we don't have any data exfil. But someone gained access somewhere, but they weren't able to go any further than just gaining access. Yeah, okay. the impact is yeah, the impact was not there, right? But you're That's a victim right. of that. But yeah, you're a you victim are. of it. Right. At that moment, the tier one, tier two analysts, the head of cyber operations, they're all dealing with that. Well, one, how did they get in? Let's do an AAR. Now we gotta brief the CISO. Who's gonna call James on this one? Right? I don't want to call James on this one. Who's gonna call James on this one? Right? Who's gonna call Naomi on this one? Right? But, but but those are all psychological impacts of doing cybersecurity. And so to say that we get pawned, I feel like that's such a, um, a wrong view of cyber. We're going to lose. You know, no team goes 16 and 0. You're going to lose a game on the way to win the Super Bowl. You're going to lose a game, two, three, four, even you could lose six or seven games and still make it to the Super Bowl and win. So, you know, we're, 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 that, that's the challenge of cyber. And that's where I think, you know, reading this comment, I'm, you know, I kind of want to comment now, but I'm just like, I may just send this part and be like, hey, go watch CISO Thursday and <laughs> watch these between these minutes and understand that your comment is off base mm-hmm. significantly. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Once you've been a victim of a breach, then you understand what it feels like and the fire that you go through. Um, and the weekends that you lose with your family and the nights you don't have sleep. So, you know, we're all in this together. I did not appreciate when people started attacking the, like the emotional side of it. You're like, you know, how dare you? My job is so difficult and everything, but they didn't understand that the future here is not looking too bright for our community. We don't have people to fill in the shoes when we retire. Like when we leave in a few years, you know, maybe a few decades, like we're, that's it. Like, is there anyone behind us? Not right now. Think about when cybersecurity first started. What is it? Like 89 is probably like the earliest anyone will say that cybersecurity was a thing, information security. And then it didn't really explode until maybe the early 2000s when the internet became bigger. But like those people who started the internet and that generation, they're still around. And we followed in their footsteps because they trained us. So I would say I'm like the second or third generation. There is no generation behind us. We're not letting them in. The people who are doing the gatekeeping now are the original people or the second or second or third generations that aren't really letting people in. And I hear it time and time again, no one's giving me a chance. And this is what we're seeing. This is we're we're not going to have a future here. And I know that sounds dystopian and fatalistic, but uh, I talk in hyperbole sometimes. 
No, I think your, you know, your your comment. I as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Yep, makes perfect sense to me." Um, and I've seen awesome leaders. I've seen folks like, I mean, the reason why you guys so Thursdays is because we we all collectively get it. Um, and I've seen leaders ha- who have taken people who were not, you know, quote unquote, whatever a cybersecurity person is supposed to look like and turn them into cybersecurity people. So when Naomi talks about when you brought that up and said, you know, it's not that hard, everything is not that hard. Yes, there are some components of the the field of the industry of everything that is difficult. It goes for every single profession. There are professions, you know, I was even thinking about this from with all this going on with this whole, you know, political stuff, the legal profession, like the different ways people come, the different pathways people come in. Paralegal is not the same as having, you know, someone that's attorney, different attorneys coming at different levels. There's all of this, um, this, 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 this component of security that some gatekeepers feel like, oh my God, if you don't have this specific experience from this school or this background or this, whatever, whatever, then you're not real security. And it's so bogus. And I always wonder, um, how are we going to get past this? How are we, our, the, the cyber criminals and the folks that are hacking us and doing all of that, they don't care. They don't care about gender, race, age, and ethnicity. You, if you can do it and you're five, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's mind boggling to me that we have all of these layers and all of these gatekeepers because all we're doing is setting ourselves up for more and more failure in the industry. So what do, you, what, do you think, what do you think is in the way of people developing the people underneath them? How much responsibility is there in a, in a leader in a company who uh, is running a CISO to, uh, to, to coach and develop the people underneath them to create the succession plan for the company for when they leave? I mean, what happens if James doesn't show up tomorrow, you know? <laughs> Who's behind James to, to take care of what he's dealing with? And but, but, it, you know, so it's that's one of the big issues. And, you know, you have to ask those questions because I've seen it happen in a lot of other industries. I, mean, I was talking to somebody. There was a I responded to a post the other day. They talked about rec- um, recruiting athletes. How many people recruit athletes for for jobs? How much does sports play into that? And I've found even personal experiences where people have been hired uh, for high levels um, currency trading jobs, where somebody said, The reason I hired you is because I know if you got knocked down, you'd get back up again and you keep moving. And so, so it, go ahead. I, I had a post earlier this week about what a successful CISO needs to know. Um, and outside, and, and, and the way I phrased it is outside the role of the CEO, the role of the CISO is the most diverse and challenging role in the executive suite that requires a range of skills, knowledge, and expertise that a lot of other roles don't require because they're very siloed, right? And I listed 16 things, and in the comments, um, there's probably another 16 or 20 that I forgot to list on there. And it's very, very challenging and to be in a leadership role of a CISO today. It's a, very, it's a lot of stress. I think most people don't don't recognize the amount of stress there is. And I don't know of a lot of CISOs that practice cyber, 
like Naomi asked me a question I think about a month ago we were on we're on a call just you know shooting the the, the you know the stuff and she goes James what do you use in your uh, in your sock what sim tool and I'm like I don't know I haven't been in my I barely go into my sock I don't have time to go into my sock I don't I don't have time to be a CISO like hands on I've got a team the team handles it they bring it up to me I sign off on budgets I've got to handle uh, executive relationships. I got to deal with the board. I got to work with finance. I have to look on business objectives and I got to go spend time with, you know, our development team and our engineering team and what are the next products we're doing. I get, I need to spend time with the regulators, with our auditors, with all those different people that I don't have time to go and sit on my sock and be like, show me our SIM tool. Oh, wow. That's a wonderful tool. You know what? I'll go on LinkedIn and, you know, give these guys praises. I don't have time for it. And, and I so, think that, go ahead, James. Sorry. No, please go ahead, Renee. No, I wanted to say that I hear this a lot from CISOs in particular. You know, when I'm talking to CISOs and they're like, people don't understand what we do. Even from a leadership perspective, that they may not fully understand, like, I am not the person hanging out in a sock. I'm not I'm not in there. I'm briefing the board. I'm doing all these other things. I am an executive. I'm not, I don't have my hands on the keyboard all the time. Um, and I think that in and of itself kind of talks to how immature, and I say that in a, in a, not in a, a negative way, but just how, where we are in the life cycle of growth of CISOs and security as a whole. And I think it was, um, Dutch that came in and talked about how, you know, in the 80s, we were talking about if the CIO should be reporting to the board and the CIO's level and where we are now when it comes to CISOs and security and like the evolution of security and in, in cybersecurity and the evolution of CISOs. Um, so a couple comments here before we wrap because I have a Hard stop today at two. Uh, John says, one of the best InfoSec professionals I know came from a hospitality background. We started him as an intern with no, and he uses in caps, no cybersecurity experience. He quickly showed his worth and his drive to learn and grow. He is now leading our entire security engineering team. And I hope that person pays it back and pays it forward for the next generation. And that is the point. Someone gave us all a chance, Mr. Heltz. And uh, we need to start telling the people behind us that it's okay to come in with no experience. Absolutely. Um, Mr. P says, so besides technical knowledge, what aptitude and personality traits should one have or develop in order to be successful starting out? I think you have to be interested in other people. You have to be interested in developing the people underneath you. Help them become successful. Uh, take whatever, identify what you do well and, and help the people, guide them with that strategy. And that, that seems to me, because I've seen that in other companies, but frequently that, that mandate, you, here's, here's your role, but your role is also to, to develop the people underneath you and to market our business in some way or another. I'm not in sales. Yes, you are. So it's how you do that. Exactly. So nope. jokes here from my foos. Hashtag exposed. James doesn't know what Sim his stock used. James is canceled. No. <laughs> James just has a big enough team. He can 
you can think about other things. But like for me, I'm a small team, so I have to be hands on keyboard. Like I am yeah. I'm still well, technical. I'll tell you this. I, I mentor all of my VPs. And when Dan said, what happens if J- James doesn't show up to work tomorrow? Well, you know, a lot of you guys who listen every week know that on Friday afternoons, I turn off my phone. I don't turn it back on until Sunday morning. I, I practice the Jewish Sabbath like anyone else. And so when solar winds happened, actually, um, uh, I wasn't available. So my team had to handle it initially until they got a hold of me on, on, on Saturday night. So there are, you know, I trust my team. And if I didn't trust my team and if I had to know every tool and every single thing we used, then I'm not in the right position. Like I shouldn't be a CISO. Right. And I shouldn't like you, you hire people, you want to mentor them so that if I tomorrow decide to take a one month vacation because I can and I want to go sit on an island somewhere and play with my grandkids, I don't have any grandkids. But if I did, Naomi, that's another post of yours. Okay. Um, I, I can and I don't have to worry about a thing because mm-hmm. my team is well trained, well equipped and empowered to know how to deal with things. But James, that didn't happen by accident. It no, happened, no. It happened with your effort and your perception at how important it was to make that happen. You don't get gray hairs by by you know sitting on the on the island somewhere playing around for a month at a time. Is that another age comment to me, Dan? <laughs> no, I got gray. That's why I go the short, Dan. Doctor Dan, that's why I go the short. If you see my gray, like there are videos of me out there where initially in COVID, where I couldn't get a haircut for like a month. That is not good. Those are not good videos. <laughs> I want to take those down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Chris Van Gorder says we do not win by pulling the ladder up behind mm-hmm. you. And the barn's burning down around us. <laughs> right. Clinton says, Hello guys, get to see the whole crew back together. Welcome back, Naomi. Naomi, they I'm missed you. Gone one week. Good lord. And you know, I'm just you're such a huge present. I don't know why. <laughs> Popularity is a heavy burden to That pick. is weird to me. I'm just me. I don't get it. Yeah. Tim said, Timothy, I'm not sure uh it applies to cybersecurity, but I see in my industry a lot of managers fear people learning their job because they think they will get replaced by them. This is a really good topic. And I think we got to pick this up next week because I know Dan probably has some really, really good points on this one in particular. We've uh, been through this uh, together for 15 years, Renee and I. Yeah. And it happens, and that's one of the things that people have to be very, very careful about when they're interviewing. Because the person who's interviewing right. may well be threatened by you without even telling you. Exactly. So no matter what you do. Be yep. a leader. Don't be afraid of hiring your replacement unless you've tapped out where you are. And those are not the kind of managers you want to um, you wanna deal with, right? Like, just don't go work for someone who can't mentor you. So when you're in a job interview, when you're getting interviewed by the hiring manager. If you look at that person and you say, there's nothing I can learn from this person, that's not the job for you. And even if you take the job because you need the money and I understand that, take the job, but keep looking for someone who's going to hire you, who's going to grow you because that's only there. Will you excel and succeed? Yep. Mic drop. 100%. Christy Rutherford talked about that a few weeks ago. If you if you can move into a coaching culture rather than a management culture, boy, your life's going to be totally different. Totally. 
Chris Van Gorder says, it's like an eternity when you're not here, Naomi. <laughs> so can we not put those up, please? It's <laughs> embarrassing. You got any jobs for Chris? Chris is buttering you all the way up. Seriously, I am hiring, but, uh, you know, I, I have a recruiter. Sorry, Renee, I have an internal recruiter, so it's going to have to go through the process. Oh, my gosh. Um Mafu says, as always, I really appreciate your joint insight. I'm not sure I'm the only one who really likes your weekly discussions. So we are continuing these at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Um, it is about 2 p.m. right now. So updates, quick updates before we wrap. We actually hit our 10 higher target in January. Super excited. 10. That was James's fault. James, you did it. You, you changed 10 lives, 10 families, generations of families. I hope so. Now James we got to get 211 more people hired in 2021. Gonna be, that's going to be hard. <laughs> that, you know, we won the Super Bowl last Sunday. I'm Tom Brady. I'm hungry today. I'm training. I'm in the gym. I'm ready. 211 more people to go. So, our 221 folk challenge. If you know of leaders who are hiring, if you know, if you are a person who is looking for a job, you know, create a little video. The ones that we have seen the fastest impact have been folks who have created videos, put it out there 30, 60 seconds and said, this is why I should be hired. And that young lady got hired pretty immediately. Um, and so that is all for today. We all have to run and jump into our next meetings. So we will see you all next week. Thanks for watching, one. guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. See ya. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.